From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. It's me, Mike. Mike Davidson lives latest episode of the podcast. Thanks for downloading it this go-round. Lots to get through. In fact, uh, I had to look through my phone real quick and drop a few topics uh, just because I knew that we would be running over if I kept yammering and yammering and yammering and there might be a little bit of coffee in me here in this late hour. Uh, but uh, get through it the best I can here in the next half hour. I just want to give a quick shout out to my wife. Uh, my, my wife, Jenny, uh, just, she is phenomenal in the kitchen. She just knows how to make anything taste good. Like, we, you know how we all hate decaf coffee? Because, you know, it's not like the real thing. Uh, she has found a way to make decaf coffee taste good. Now, I will still take regular coffee over decaf, but if I'm just looking for something that's more or less kind of uh, a placebo... Uh, and I don't want to be up all hours of the night. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take some decaf, sure. Um, but the other day, and and you're going to think I'm a big freaking hypocrite for this because I've I've talked time and time again about how vegans have this unhealthy obsession of making their vegetables look like meat. You know, like the uh, Beyond Burgers, the Beyond Chicken, and it all looks like you know crap. Uh, my wife the other night made. Um, black bean burgers and her little secret well it's a two two prong attack uh she used i think garlic jalapeno spices which gives it a nice kick and she stuffed each patty with cheddar cheese so this was not totally vegan oh it was pretty good uh but i ate a few too many of those in again black bean burgers you're you're going to pay for it next day People don't want to stand around somebody who's had that many. But uh, just phenomenal cook. And, of course, we went out for a little date this afternoon. Finally got to check out uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, uh, which is the 31st Marvel feature. Um, and, you know, there is a bit of Marvel fatigue. Uh, because Phase 4 was a complete mess. Phase 5, I, I don't know yet, man. Um, I Here's what I'll say. I mean, Paul Rudd makes anything pleasant and uh, him and uh, Jonathan Majors makes a great villain there are some things I liked about this movie um, but there was a little bit of that social justice thing that woke thing that uh, turns movie audiences off like uh, Scott Lang's daughter she's now in her late teens and she's uh, you know protesting and you know being politically activist and all that and uh, there was a line that Michael Douglas said in the movie about how we can learn from the socialism of ants. And as that was going on, I groaned out loud. My wife looked over at me quickly and back at the screen. And she goes, you know, I, I'm just expecting you to go on this rant about the socialism. <laughs> and I was just like, I think, I just think the sigh says, says it all. Um, and then, then there's, um, not to get too nerdy, but, uh, like Jonathan Majors as Kang, I like. I, I, I do. I think if there's good writing around him, he could be a formidable on-screen villain. But it's all about writing and the material you're given. There's another villain that makes an appearance that looks goofy as hell, and it just doesn't work. So kind of a mixed thing with me on this movie. Um, not, not quite the uh, crap fest I was thinking, but certainly... 
eh, it just, it, it just, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, I'll, I'll think more about it. Uh, people are still thinking about Tropic Thunder, a movie that uh, Ben Stiller starred in and directed years back. And uh, a recent interview, they're asking him, so, uh, do you have any regrets about making that movie? And he goes, I still stand by it, I still love this movie. And of course, they keep asking him about it because of Robert Downey Jr. playing uh, the pretentious method actor, uh, who's kind of um, an analog for Daniel Day-Lewis, the uh, the white guy who decides he can play any role. So he play, I think he's like Australian or something. RDJ is playing an Australian who plays an American black soldier in Vietnam with the black face, and he's just entrenched in the stereotypes. And you know he thinks he can play anything. And there are some people that still have a problem with this, but they don't get the joke. The joke is, of course, it's inappropriate. That's what method that's what method actors do. They think they can play anything. That's the gag. And if you don't get that, I mean, uh, Jamel Jamil Hill, uh, nah, nah, Jamil Hill, formerly of ESPN, and she's always about uh, social justice and um, and race. Uh, she even said, "Hey, yeah, this is a, a critique." On method acting, it's not the racist thing some people are making it out to be. She gets it for Christ's sake. Uh, so yeah, it's a joke. It's a it's a commentary on method acting. Nothing more. Don't look too much into it. Um, some good news for people that hate creeps. Uh, Harvey Weinstein was sentenced, I think, in the state of California to 16 additional years in prison. Uh, he's already in jail. In prison in New York State, uh, 23 year sentence. He's uh, 70, so chances are he is never, ever, ever leaving prison in this lifetime. Uh, but you know how the mighty have fallen because you know in his heyday, which was not too long ago, it just seemed like every movie he produced got nominated for something. I mean, he had he had a lot of clout, a lot of power. And you're wondering, well, how did he get all this stuff to happen? And then you kind of hear about this crap the, behind the scenes about how uh, he was a, basically a big creep, bully, and predator. And, uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense now. And I'm sure he's not the only guy out there like that. But uh, yeah, Ari Weinstein's not going anywhere in the near future. Um, I wish I could say that makes Hollywood safer. But uh, we kind of know that there's some creepers out there still. Now, this is... One where I side with the celebrity and not the, the dumb criminals in question. Lady Gaga, as you know, uh, you may have heard of this story a couple years back. Uh, she's got these two pooches, these two dogs, her pets. Uh, she had somebody walk them and uh, this this dog walker was attacked. The dogs were kidnapped. The, uh, the dog walker was shot and damn near killed. Somehow survived. And uh, a woman claimed the re wanted to claim the reward because she found them. Like I think it was like a five hundred thousand dollar reward. Well, this woman in question was part of this group of five, and so she went to jail. Uh, I think she was uh, like indirectly involved in two months probate or two years probation out of jail. Uh, but now she's trying to sue Lady Gaga for the uh, uh, the reward money. Any judge with common sense would know that this is a null and void contract if you're involved in the kidnapping. And, oh, oh, I know where they're at. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't get that money. But, again, lawyers make the world go round and slow down our ever-bloated court system. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it, a little brazen there um, with, uh, with uh, trying to collect money for a crime that you were involved in.
Yikes. She she could have uh, a, a nice career in D.C. once her probation's up. Okay. A couple of serious stories. Um, and this is... This one is not surprising, and guess what? It's not a conspiracy theory. Uh, you remember that whole COVID thing a few years back, right? Yeah, I, I know it slipped your attention. You, you forgot all about it. You forgot about being uh, uh, locked out of your job for a year or two, or maybe losing your jobs, having to stay at home because you were not essential, Wearing masks wherever you went, uh, you know, all, all that fun stuff. Yeah, it, it was such a brief moment in our history. Um, but there was that thing about, well, this was probably leaked from a lab in Wuhan. Because there was one uh, just down the street from this alleged uh, wet market where people were like, no, 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 it came from a bat. Somebody ate a raw bat and that's where the virus came from. And if you were to make the allegation that uh, the virus came from this lab that was dealing with infectious diseases down the street from this web, uh, this uh, wet market. You were deemed a conspiracy theorist. You hated the Chinese. Uh, you, all, all, all this fun stuff, right? Well, it turns out, I guess uh, the Department of Energy here stateside in a recent report concluded that, yes, the virus was probably from a lab leak in Wuhan. And I had that suspicion, not necessarily because I was going to these, uh, you know, uh, QAnon websites or whatever, but uh, the the miniseries on HBO, Chernobyl. Uh, as you, if if you haven't seen it, basically uh, a whole bunch of crap happens when uh, something malfunctions at the plant. They're trying to test the equipment. They didn't have the proper procedures in place, and uh, shit hits the fan pretty quickly. And it goes south from there. And I kept thinking, well, maybe that's what happened at this lab. Somebody mishandled a germ. Oops, it's out in the the air. Our, our people are getting sick. I mean, if you're going to do uh, germ warfare or chemical warfare, you wouldn't test it on your own population. You would do some place a little more desolate, right? Uh, a little more inconspicuous, say, not near the damn lab. Uh, but they had to like do something quick because it was out, it was traveling, it was going to go around the world. Uh, it's this wet market. Or it came from uh, Italy. Yeah, because you have all these old sick dying people. No, it came from the freaking lab. And in another podcast, before I started up Mike Davidson Lives, this was when uh, I was laid off for about a month from the previous job. I, you know, when all the stuff was uh, shutting down, the only thing I was really against was shutting down the economy and telling people they couldn't go home because I know you need money to keep moving, to keep society moving. And my thing was like, when we look back at this five or ten years from now, what, what would our... What would we learn? What was something that we overreacted on? And it looks more and more like everything. Every freaking thing and calling people conspiracy theorists for calling out the fact that hey you know this virus is loose in a town with a with a laboratory that deals with viruses that was considered conspiratorial by journalists who are supposed to be putting two and two together for us theoretically theoretically speaking ah well I uh, can't wait till the next uh, the next pandemic here. Okay, so this is I gotta be careful here. This is a very serious, touchy subject because well, that's just the nature of it. 
Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, which um, my dad was a big fan of uh, when he was working. Uh, it, it was basically kind of a, a comic strip, for those who don't know, that it would appear in daily newspapers, poking fun out of workplace environments. It was basically a daily version of Office Space, and it was actually pretty solid satire, from what I can understand, because, yeah, I, I've worked in places where things don't make sense. Well, uh, in a recent podcast of his own uh he, he was talking about uh, he was talking about uh, this uh, this survey by rasmussen saying 53 percent of african americans are uncomfortable with the phrase it's okay to be white i guess this is something that kind of came from those qanon sites and you know i'm not one of these people that likes white liberal guilt or feeling guilty about who you are i always believe you are who you are take pride in who you are not necessarily you know because you're a specific race but just you're you're made up of multifacets. you're made up of a lot of stuff that got you to this point in life right but i don't really go into slogans like it's okay to be white because i really don't care uh but scott adams really does care and maybe a little too much because during this podcast he said you know if 53 percent of black people are uncomfortable with this saying maybe they're the uh they're maybe they're the hate group they are the hate group and you should stay the hell away from them stay the f away from them that's what i'm reading with this uh, this transcript and it's kind of like whoa and he's uh, he even doubles down and says hey i you know just you you have to stay away from this group you know if uh, if uh, it affects your individual uh sphere your uh, your right to live or whatever you know you have every right to be racist and you should even avoid basically he says you should even avoid the good ones to borrow kind of a racist term and it's, it's, God, it's like he pulled a Kanye West right here when Kanye did the Hitler is good thing on uh, the Alex Jones uh, Infowars show. Yikes. Um, and, of course, he's losing a whole bunch of newspapers uh, that carry Dilbert. In fact, I, I would be hard-pressed to find any newspaper in the country that would give the nature of newsrooms. But then again, are you really being canceled if uh, a bunch of uh, publications that are losing subscribers in mass because of other reasons uh, are canceling you? I mean, I'm sure he's still going to self-publish on his website, and he's still going to have his fans, and he's still going to find a way to make income, and, you know, he's 65 and everything. I'm not justifying what he's saying here, by the way. Um, just you know, it's it's going to be a lot of grandstanding from newspapers, but this is a, a a Kanye West moment, where it's a self-inflicted wound, and it's like going way too far. And yeah, you know, I I'm not one like I said, I'm not a white liberal guilt guy, and I'm also not a racist. I'll put my foot in my mouth, and if I do, I apologize. But I judge a person by who they are. You know that whole content of character thing. And even if there's a difference of opinion, I will talk, I will hang with them, so long as they're not, you know, insane. And uh, Scott Adams, I think, now is basically in that insane group, which is which is sad. I think something just kind of snapped in the guy. Uh, because looking back at some of his work, he uh, he made some funny stuff. 
You know, he actually had a cartoon on uh, uh, the UPN. <laughs> Remember that network back in the 90s based on his Dilbert strips. And uh, he, he created a fan base. He had merchandise. And, you know, the, the best way to poke fun out of something that's asinine is through satire. And, you know, he would do a good job of doing that through policies. But now he's just like, F it, I'm going to be a dick. And uh, good luck to you, Scott, I guess. I can't condone what he's saying. I can't condone what... I mean, Kanye said Hitler was good for Christ's sake. No, no. And my, my whole point here is like, you know, if you're going to avoid a group because they don't like you, chances are they're still not going to like you. You're not going to like them. You're not fixing anything. Now, racism is something that basically anybody can adhere to and become. You can be racist toward anybody. The trick is not to be a dick. The trick is just to, you know, take a person uh, as they are and see if you like them and hang out with them and, you know, become buds and all that. It's You're never going to get rid of racism collectively. But you, you could always find a good group of people, regardless of who they are, from wherever they are. Just don't take Scott Adams' advice. And again, it's kind of sad to see him kind of become that. Now, kind of put things in perspective. When I, when I was uh, paraphrasing what he said in this podcast, let's say uh, 60 years in the future. You know, if we don't get nuked in World War III, 60 years in the future... Uh, the estate of Scott Adams, or whoever the hell's handling that, decides they want to edit what he said in that podcast. They use AI or something to change the context of what he said. And, uh, hold on, hold on. And they're like, well, you know, he really didn't mean that. We, we, we want to make what Scott Adams said in this podcast, in previous interviews, in his strips relatable to the modern audience and whatever that is in the future i have no idea but just editing what was said and what was done i mean you wouldn't want the context of what he said changed in any way because otherwise you're not getting what he means and you don't know what the hell the people that are changing it means sounds a little convoluted but uh, that's what's been happening recently with books and this whole concept of sensitivity writers, um, Raoul Dahl uh, recently, uh, I guess Puffin Publishing was about to pretty much edit all of his books to make it reflect what a modern audience wants. And this is kind of a partial victory. Maybe it's not a victory at all. Maybe it's just stalling the inevitable in terms of uh, censorship. But uh, because there was such an outcry, now there will be two versions of each book at this publisher. One with the sensitive reader crap, and one with the original content. The reg original stuff with fat, ugly, bald, hideous, and all that stuff. Right? Now, another group of sensitivity readers have targeted Bond. James Bond. Uh, the book's written by Ian Fleming. Uh, I guess the estate is okay. And God, the, the estate of some of these authors, I mean... Were these just like trust fund babies, trust fund descendants that realized, hey, we're blowing through uh, granddad's money a little too quickly here. Let's make a quick buck. Oh, we have to do something in these uh, modern times. Let's get rid of this word, that word, and make look make us look good and still spend their cash. 
Uh, they're doing that again with Ian Fleming's books. Um, Live and Let Die, you know, you're dealing with a, a black gang. Uh, Mr. Big's the villain in that. And by the way, in the movie, he was played by Yafet Koto, who was uh, a phenomenal actor. Um, but they're, you know, changing that up. And, of course, some of the things he said to women in the books, because, you know, James Bond's a manly man, and uh, women have no place in uh, this dangerous world, and blah, 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 blah. You, you know, think, think old school Sean Connery, right? Uh, they're wanting to change up the words in these books to, again, to appeal to a modern audience. And it's I'm just waiting to see what happens next week. Uh, what other group of books are going to be uh, recommended for uh, change and whatnot. Uh, yeah, Ian Fleming, uh, some of the language in his books are a little coarse um, and all that. But look, that's what he wrote. Either you're going to pick it up, love the book, and buy another one and start an Ian Fleming collection, or you're going to hate what he read and sell it for half price at half price books. I mean, that's how it goes. You're not going to like every book, but to change it to appeal to everybody is asinine because ultimately you're not going to appeal to anybody. I mean, those that would be offended by the original Ian Fleming work, do you think they would go and read it now, knowing that this guy wrote what he wrote? It's crazy. But again, I'm, I'm thinking trust fund babies burning through cash. Oh, um, by the way, because I, I, I do have a nice little bookshelf of authors and such. Um, I guess uh, the British government, uh, I saw this, uh, was this Daily Caller published this. Uh, this uh, It was an op-ed slash article, and they were talking about this government program in Britain that was tracking down homegrown domestic domestic right-wing terrorists in that particular part of the world right and they said uh, you know they were they were listing some of the um, the books the works that these uh, these uh, right-wing nut jobs would be reading uh, and, and it's not like you know it, it's not like mind comp for the Turner Diaries or anything like that no 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 it's uh, Adolphus Huxley George Orwell and J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, yeah, if you read 1984 or Lord of the Rings or Brave New World, uh, you are a right-wing fascist that's going to overthrow the British government and possibly the United States government or something like that. It's it's oh, this is getting crazy uh, with these bucks. Uh, everybody knows that George Orwell it was a self-avowed socialist, right? I mean, he said himself that. If uh, he was running things, socialism would be great. And that's kind of the folly of socialism is like a, you don't want anybody to run your life. You wouldn't want me to run your life. And uh, Lord of the Rings was basically a um, uh, an allegory for uh, Catholicism. Uh, Tolkien, you know, it was, it was about Christianity. It was about religion. It wasn't necessarily about politics itself. It was something a little more otherworldly. Hence the whole fantasy thing, right? It was, it, yeah, it was basically a, a religious book without the religion, if, if, if you follow. these, And, and, and it was made into a freaking blockbuster. And, and Orwell, I mean, 1984, Animal Farm, those are, those are seminal works. Um, you know, and he was a great writer, uh, despite what uh, his stances were on some things. 
You're, you're telling me that people that read these works are going to be indoctrinated and fall into these categories? You know, it's uh, it's getting to be a brave new world out there. It is getting to be like 1984 out there, Fahrenheit 451. Uh, but then again, I was thinking about this. I mean, how many people really do read any sort of book anymore? You know, I mean, it's not like, I, I you know, where I work, it's a little more blue collar. Uh, guys talk more about, uh, you know, basketball game from last night or the video games they're playing. They're not at necessarily talking about, oh, I'm reading this new book, whereas, you know, I am reading this new book about Dodge City, Bat Masterson, and Wyatt Earp. I don't know uh, where that puts me on uh, uh, the FBI's uh, surveillance list. You know, oh, he's reading a book about a Western. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's just no. Not a lot of people do read anymore for pleasure or for just the hell of it. At least that's kind of the impression I get. Yet uh, you have these uh, these government agencies across the world concerned that somebody might be reading something that was once lauded by literary critics. Maybe that's the problem: is that everybody stopped reading, and uh, because of that, those who do read. Uh, you know, the few that do read are now the, the critics and uh, the wokerati and determine what should be on everybody's bookshelves and whatnot. Yikes, yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to flower vans and bakery vans being parked across the street from my house here in the coming weeks. Okay, now, this is a, a, a serious story in itself. Brandon Miller, he's this uh, star basketball player for Alabama SEC school. And uh, a few weeks ago, you remember that player for Alabama that shot and killed somebody? You know, he's accused of shooting and killing somebody. Well, he apparently got the gun from Mr. Miller. The guy that shot and killed somebody is no longer on the team, but uh, that would make Brandon Miller an accessory, right? I mean, he provided the weapon in question if this story is true. You would think, okay, because that's kind of a heated, loaded topic, you keep him away from the basketball team. No, he's out there dropping 30, 40 a night still. And in fact, I think over the weekend, uh, home home game in Tuscaloosa, um, he's getting um, his intro. He uh, runs up to a teammate, and his teammate during the intro pats him down. Yeah, that seems a little tasteless. I mean, if this is referring to something that's uh, you know kind of a murder thing. Uh, but then again, this is pretty much uh, textbook SEC school behavior, and it kind of goes to show what the thinking of uh, many college players or college programs is. As long as the dude can play, who cares how moral he is or uh, how upstanding he is? Yeah, uh, it's kind of a big F you to the fans and anybody that actually wants justice done in this world. But then again, I digress on that. Yeah, I have that story linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Um, oh, what was I going to say here? Uh, this uh, this is kind of a creepy thing. I'll wrap things up with it because it is so damn creepy. And it's, uh, it's a nice little device brought to us by the lovely country of Japan. Japan, I'm convinced, is a country founded by game show hosts i mean i know there's a rich uh, that rich history of samurai and feudalism and all that stuff but i think secretly uh these guys were time traveling game show hosts and they decided to make a really weird pop culture okay that uh, now um 
what would make a lot of people here stateside cringe and clutch their pearls with some of the stuff they do over there. But uh, uh, I guess Japan has this new device where you can mimic your kiss by kissing a machine that looks like a pair of lips. You plug it into your computer and you can send your kiss around the world to a loved one you miss or something like that like like it's programmed to kiss like your lover and it's a big set of lips and it looks it looks like something that should be sold at a truck stop to lonely drivers because let me tell you something the way this device is uh, looking to me it would never be used for kissing it would be used for other things I'll let you think about that as I wrap up the podcast. All right, until next time, stay fresh. Cheese. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at davidsonlives.